HR workloads are expected to increase by 7%, down from 10.7% last year. So the rate of increase is decelerating. Also on a positive note is tech spending is anticipated this year to rise by 4%, which is compared to last year, which was only 1.7%. So the semi-good news is our workloads aren't going to go up quite as much as they did last year, and we're going to have more money to spend on technology to try to help us to deal with those increased work. Welcome to the Hacker Group's Business Acceleration Podcast. Week after week, you'll hear from top experts on how to avoid obstacles, manage detours, and celebrate milestones on the journey to digital world-class performance. Human resources leaders are expecting to feel increasing pressure in 2024 in the face of global economic uncertainty and possible labor and skill shortages, and they're turning to technology to help them improve efficiency and effectiveness. On this week's Business Acceleration Podcast, we discuss the Hacker Group's 2024 HR Key Issues Research with Senior Research Director Tony DiRamaldo. Tony, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Gary. Glad to be here. Tony, why don't you start out just by giving us the, you know, 30,000-foot level. Um, where are they starting from? You know, what business and, and functional environments are, are HR executive expecting in 2024? Just to kind of set the stage. Sure. So I'll start with kind of the broader perspective across the business services functions. It, our study identified five key concerns that were expressed. And at the top one is inflation. And there's still a great deal of concern over rising costs, even though we've seen, you know, certainly in the last several months, the deceleration of inflation in many countries, certainly here in the U.S. where where I'm based and in much of the developed world, we've seen it go, go down, but there's still concern over that. And that was the number one concern. The second concern And again, by the way, these parallel what we were seeing last year as well, even though the environment, the economy seems to have been maintained, we're still seeing the same kinds of concerns. So the second one is recession. Again, even though in places like the U.S. in particular, we keep getting very positive signs. And I think economists across the board, at least for 2024, seem to be no longer predicting a a recession, although there's still a lot out there predicting it coming within, within the next two years. But that's the second concern. Third is worries around high interest rates. And that one, clearly, the Fed in the US and other central banks, we haven't seen much in the way of cutting yet. And so, again, they still have concerns over inflation. And even though everything's trending in the right direction, we haven't yet seen action taken to reduce interest rates. So the expectation is in 2024 that businesses are going to have to operate in a higher interest rate environment. Fourth is 
shortages of skills and workers. And, you know, this is a chronic issue and it continues, even though labor markets have kind of settled down, you know, given all the disruption that COVID caused, we still have these chronic problems around getting people with the, with the right skills or enough people and retaining those people and organizations. And so these are the top four and then fifth are competitive threats. Again, the competitive environment is very volatile. And of course, with some new technologies, for example, the Gen AI, ChatGPT and its competitors, and we're seeing you know, quite a, an arms race across industries to build these technologies into products and services. And so there's angst around what these kinds of things are going to mean from a competitive standpoint. Now, in terms of those are the threats kind of shaping the environment. Amidst that, what we're seeing is enterprise business objectives, not surprisingly, revenue growth is number one objective for 2024, followed closely by margin improvement protection. Again, no surprise there. There are always one or two in terms of our studies going way back to the early 2000s when we initiated this annual study. Again, for HR, they've got to focus on helping the organization to achieve both of those goals, supporting the talent agenda that drives revenue growth, and of course, the talent workforce management agenda and their HR agenda that drives the margin protection and improvement. Some of the other key things that businesses are expecting to do in order to respond to some of these concerns and potential risks, as well as to achieve their business goals the emphasizing top of mind process efficiency, process automation, working capital optimization, and consolidation of to shared services. So these are all focused on kind of that bottom line and getting more efficient, getting more productive. So again, for HR, that means really running your operational ship as, as tightly as possible. So, so clearly a lot to worry about and, and a broad range of, of issues. What about within the HR function itself? What are HR leaders expecting in terms of changes in workload, headcounts, and, and uh, that kind of thing? Yeah, very interesting again this year. The study confirms and quantifies what HR executives already know, they got to find a way to do more with less. Okay, so we've got some semi-good news and some bad news. The semi-good news is HR workloads are expected to increase by 7%. The reason why that's semi-good news is it's down from 10.7% last year. So the rate of increase is decelerating, but it's still significant. But also on a positive note is tech spending is anticipated this year to rise by 4%, which is compared to last year, which was only 1.7%. So the semi-good news or good news is our workloads aren't going to go up quite as much as they did last year, and we're going to have more money to spend on technology to try to help us to deal with those increased work. Now, the bad news is last year, headcounts and budgets were rel- were pretty essentially flat. This year, they're dropping. So we're seeing headcounts drop by an average of 2%. 
and operating budgets by 1%. So bottom line is, as always, it's a squeeze for HR. We've got to be very prudent about how we allocate our resources so that we're, you know, we're as efficient and as effective as possible in how we operate. And, and what we're seeing, by the way, when we look at that workload and we look at, you know, how HR, what operational strategies they're employing to address it more efficiently and effectively. We're seeing a greater emphasis than ever on automation, self-service, and global business shared services in that order. And what's interesting there is three years ago, it was global business services number one that was being emphasized, self-service two and automation three. Now automation for the first time is number one. And what we define automation, by the way, as totally automating an activity or a transaction where there's no human intervention. Whereas self-service, it's technology enabled, but there's usually a human being doing the work using the tool. It's a combination of the two. So, you know, fully automation, full automation is where the biggest emphasis and where we see that where HR organizations are intending to steer the greatest part of the workload. And so they see, they predict overall an increase of 4.7%. That's for uh, work handled by automation. And 76% of all the respondents uh, said that they anticipate increasing the amount of work that will be handled via end-to-end automation. I know uh, kind of the centerpiece of this research is looks at, at priorities and objectives for HR leaders. How has that changed for the year ahead, and, and what can you tell us there? Yeah, it's a very interesting list of, you know, we typically focused on the top 10. We actually ask about 35 different objectives for the year and ask people to rank them in terms of importance and their confidence in their ability to meet that objective. So just talking strictly in terms of importance, Gary, Number one for the second year in the row is developing effective leaders for a changing business and workplace. And basically, in our view, in many respects, companies live or die based on the quality of their leaders. And what we've been seeing over the last couple of years, the demands on leaders are enormous. And HR plays a pivotal role in making sure that the right people are in these critical roles and that they're up to the task. And so, this is a huge challenge for almost every HR organization. It was, it's number one this year in importance. It was number one last year. So it certainly continues to be top of mind. Number two, and this is, was in the number five slot last year, is creating and maintaining a high-performing organizational culture. We've heard a lot about culture in the last few years. And in our view, it's really been sort of a stress test for organizational cultures, the environment, the, the volatility, the friction, the change, all of the pressures that organizations are facing. Having a healthy, productive culture is is really a game changer and a differentiator. And so, you know, what we see is organizations with healthy cultures tend to be the most successful in navigating, you know, in highly uncertain volatile environments like what we're seeing today. Those who 
you know, maybe have unhealthy or dysfunctional kinds of cultures, or at least, you know, behaviors are not positive or inspiring. These, especially among leaders and managers, we see those organizations more likely to struggle. So the challenge around culture is not only do we have high performance, right, and getting a culture that enables high performance, but one that can sustain it. Because, you know, one of the things we're seeing, and part of this is a cultural issue, is a lot of burning through talent or, you know, people suffering burnout, you know, cultures that emphasize meeting goals, constant improvement on metrics, et cetera, to the point where they're burning out their people. So HR, again, has a a huge role to play here in helping organizations create and and maintain a culture that can, can indeed sustain high performance. And that's a lot around coaching leaders. It's also a lot around the HR policies and programs that we have that drive performance in our workforce, that drive a healthy culture, and also that where HR is a part of interventions to address issues around culture and to evolve the culture. Number three, and this was number three last year, is act as a strategic advisor to the business. We saw with COVID and after COVID, the stature of HR and its contribution in terms of how leaders perceive HR really rose. And I think business leaders are still relying on HR for guidance around the issues with the workforce business issues where people make a difference and so on, workforce strategy. So this is top of mind for many HR organizations. We have a couple new issues, objectives in the top 10. For example, at number five is align workforce planning and strategy to business planning. We did in late 2023, a study, an in-depth study on strategic workforce planning capabilities and processes in organizations. And what we found there is a clear correlation and connection between having a mature and robust strategic workforce planning process and having, you know, very strong business and talent outcomes. Now, unfortunately, most organizations, HR organizations, are immature in many of their capabilities around strategic workforce planning. So it's interesting that this issue of alignment to strategy and business planning is now top of mind. And it really connects to a number of other issues in our top 10 list that are related to talent. Number four is around attracting and retaining key skills and key groups. Number seven, number nine have to do with various talent acquisition challenges. And so, you know, whether it's acquiring, retaining, especially, you know, key roles and scarce skills, having a strategic workforce planning and talent intelligence capability is something that really can improve HR's ability to to handle that issues, improve how they hire, how they onboard, how they manage, and how, how people are developed within the organization, again, to drive better business outcomes and better talent outcomes, right? Better attraction of the right candidates, 
people retaining the key people and high levels of engagement and so on. And then the last two at uh, numbers eight and 10, number eight is improve employee manager and candidate experience experiences. And that is another one, the one of the two that are new to the top 10. And again, as we see employee and these other manager or candidate experiences tied to some of these talent issues, but HR is putting increasing emphasis on this to drive some of the things I was just talking about in terms of talent outcomes. And then number 10, but very important for a number of reasons, is leverage technology to improve the efficiency and effectiveness of HR services. This is, you know, reflects areas in which HR organizations especially, you know, need to continue to improve their operational performance. And technology is one of the most important levers that HR organizations have. When deployed properly, it allows HR to focus more attention, more higher level resources, more quantity of resources on all these other issues I've been talking about. And it also leads to a much more satisfied, you know, employee and manager base. And within that, one of the things that we looked at in particular was how are HR organizations approaching the Gen AI category of technology, which, you know, clearly has been all across the news and top of mind in a lot of organizations. What we see in HR so far is a very cautious approach. And we would advise HR organizations to kind of pick up the pace. A lot of them are in a wait and see mode, waiting to see, well, you know, what use cases are out there in terms of what are some leading companies doing or waiting for their key vendor to announce or to brief them on capabilities that are embedded in the product and whatnot. What we're seeing with some of our leading edge clients is going out and identifying high value, low risk areas to begin experimenting, you know, things like skills identification, job writing up job descriptions, supporting, answering common inquiries to HR support. Those are things you could have huge impact on productivity of those activities and free up a lot of resources to address some of these other very key objectives that I've mentioned, Gary. Um, That's certainly quite a long to-do list. We ask about how confident HR leaders are that they'll be able to achieve these objectives. You know, what what do we see there? Well, to be perfectly frank, not as confident as they would like and, and really need to be. For example, you know, those top five issues that I mentioned, whether it's better leaders, culture, being a a better strategic advisor, the attraction and retention and the aligning workforce and business strategy. There we see gaps between, significant gaps between how important HR executives rank those objectives and how confident they say they are that they're going to meet those objectives. And then for, for the other top 10, the last five, we see some moderate gaps. So confidence is an issue that definitely needs to be targeted in terms of these objectives. And these are all areas that we've got to take some steps to make sure we're making progress in building our capabilities. 
Well, we're coming up on time. Just to kind of close us out, what guidance can you give HR leaders for how to improve, you know, their ability to meet these objectives in the in the coming year? Sure. I mean, this is the the bottom line. So there are a couple things we would say, and I'll tie them to you know these, some of these issues we've been talking about. The top two goals around improving leadership and culture are related. Good leaders create healthy cultures, and healthy cultures make it easier for leaders to be effective in helping organizations and to navigate change. So, you know, what we believe is HR organizations need to continue to make sure, keep pace, build their capability to help leaders adjust and adapt and improve their skill sets and adopt new skill sets so that they can be successful in today's business environment and workplace. And last year, we did a study on this topic. You know, what are the new skills that leaders need in today's environment? What mix of skills, not just new, but traditional skills that are really critical given today? And what we found was, you know, skills such as the ability to manage across remote, hybrid, on-premises work context, being comfortable with worker autonomy and flexibility, and, you know, being good at giving praise and showing appreciation. Those are the top-ranked new skills that we heard from the study that are most needed for leaders to succeed in this changing environment. And and traditional ones like leading change and, and critical thinking, right? We've got to double down on that because those are even more important today than ever. So one of the things that the study clearly, I think, revealed is that HR needs to adjust the methods it uses to develop leaders right to keep them on top of their game and and what that means is they've got to do more and leverage more with some of the new digitally enabled tools like simulations and augmented virtual reality and and training tools what we saw there for certain kinds of skills behavioral for example and emotional intelligence types of skills, simulations can be extremely effective. And even though a minority of organizations are using them, those who have have gotten tremendous results. So we think that's an area all HR organizations need to need to move into and explore. A couple other things that we would recommend, Gary, regarding the talent objectives, I think, again, and this just underscores the point about strategic workforce planning. I mean, if there's one thing in the talent space that HR organization should focus on that would have the biggest bang for the buck, in our view, would be improving their strategic workforce planning capability. It means having a process that's standard and clearly laid out, a good foundation of data, not just internal, but external and having taking advantage of what increasingly you will have in in your HCM system and other systems that HR has supporting talent, the analytical modeling and reporting capabilities so that you can begin to do the deeper dives and generate some you know meaningful and actionable insights from the data that many of these systems now make available. And 
most important, in addition to those things, is upskilling HR staff, particularly the HR business partners, to be more comfortable, to be able to advise at a strategic level, use data, and develop the skills that support that interpretation and talking about data and helping to infuse that in conversations with executives to support decision making where where talent issues are you know front and center and so, so that means they've got to understand the business they're supporting and have to be able to communicate you know very compellingly insights that strategic workforce planning process is going to generate. And then lastly, but not least, the technology, you know, much more, I think we've got to be very prudent, perhaps more prudent than ever in terms of how we deploy the technology. And we've got to make sure we're using it to be more efficient and productive, to be more effective, and to improve the experience. And that means, you know, when we look at HR organizations, performing more tasks vis-a-vis automation where we can do it better and drive down the cost, that's going to provide the foundation. So start with your existing platforms. Are we getting the most out, out of what's available? And then accelerate adoption where you do have additional funding for new tools and applications. As I mentioned before with Gen AI in particular, this is an area uh, we believe to prioritize for experimenting, as I said, in high value, low risk areas like creating or improving job descriptions, identifying and maintaining workforce skills data, and answering you know common HR questions. If you could have the technology provide that, it can free up a lot of resources to do other things. Great perspective, Tony. Uh, thanks for taking the time to talk to us. My pleasure, Gary. Listeners can download the research we've discussed here today from the HR Insights page of our website, and we'll also include a link to it in the show notes. Thanks for listening. You can find audio, a transcript of each episode, and other resources at podcast.thehackettgroup.com. If you like this episode, please share it. You can also subscribe on your favorite listening app so you never miss an episode. We welcome your feedback by rating this or any episode, or send us an email at podcast.thehackettgroup.com. The Hackett Group is a leading benchmarking, research advisory, and strategic consultancy that enables organizations to achieve digital world-class performance. Learn how we can assist with your transformation journey at www.thehackettgroup.com.